Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. Today's guest is award-winning disability rights attorney Lainey Feingold. Laney opened the law office of Laney Feingold in 1996. Laney represents people with disabilities who seek full participation in society. Laney's primary work is with blind and visually impaired community clients on technology issues, including mobile and web accessibility. Laney has also developed structured negotiation. Structured negotiation is the alternative to lawsuit filing. Structured negotiation focuses on solutions and emphasizes collaboration. Laney joins us to explain the structured negotiation system and how she's applied it to some of her most important cases affecting the blind. Welcome to the show, Laney. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So what inspired you to practice disability rights law? You know, Brian, like most things in life, it just sort of happened. I was a traditional civil rights lawyer working on race and gender issues. I had an opportunity to work for the Disability Rights Education and Defense Fund, DREDF, in Berkeley, where I live. And it was supposed to be a four-month job filling in for someone who had left turned into a four-year job, and that launched my career as a disability rights lawyer. So, so you did a lot of work with advancing human civil rights, race and gender, and the disabled people. You finally opened your own law office after leaving Dreadeth called the Law Office of Laney Feingold in October of 1996. In 1996, your two daughters turned seven and ten. What motivated you to open your own law practice? I was working at DREDF, uh, which many of your listeners probably know. It's a national nonprofit. It was uh, involved in getting the Americans with Disabilities Act passed. It was a lot of work to be litigation director of DREDF. And when my kids were that age, I was just looking for greater balance. And I thought, well, if I work out of the house, maybe I'll find that balance. What I didn't realize is the opportunity to practice structured negotiation would really contribute to my finding a balance and being able to be the kind of parent I wanted to be and be the kind of disability rights lawyer I wanted to be. That must have been a lot of work. It was. That is true. But my girls are great. They're both public school teachers now, and it all worked out. That's great. You represent people with disabilities who seek full participation in society. In what ways do you satisfy this big mission? Uh, That's a good question. Well, my main work for the past 20 years has been with the blind community, ACB and its affiliates, ACB members, other blind individuals and organizations on technology access. And in the digital age, I really think that access to websites and mobile and kiosks, ATMs, pedestrian signals, all these issues I've worked on, movie access, 
technology touches on everything in life. So when we work to make technology more available to everyone, we're touching all aspects. We're going to get to some of those cases in a little bit. Structured negotiation. You developed this special alternative resolution process. How does that work? Uh, yeah, well, first I want to say that I'm the co-developer of it, uh, call ourselves the co-pioneers with Linda Dardarian, who is a civil rights lawyer in Oakland. Uh, she has a firm called Goldstein, Borgen, Dardarian and Ho, and they do litigation as well as negotiations on a variety of issues, including disability rights. And Linda and I were lucky enough to be working together in the mid nineties when Steve Mendelson, who's a blind lawyer, he was in New York at the time and then had moved to California, he had the idea that ATMs really should be available to everyone. Other people no doubt had the idea too, but Steve is the one who called us and said, hey, you know, do you think we can use this new ADA to make ATMs accessible? We thought we had strong grounds for a lawsuit, but on the other hand, there were no ATMs anywhere in the world as far as we knew that blind people could use the ADA was less than five years old. We decided to write to three banks and say, you know, you don't have ATMs that work for blind people. You really need to. It violates the law. But rather than file a lawsuit, we'd like to work with you in collaboration. So those banks were Bank of America, Wells Fargo, and Citibank. And other blind advocates, as well as the California Council of the Blind, joined in with Steve and we negotiated for the next several years to get the first talking ATMs in the United States. When it was over, we're like, whoa, we just got a lot done without filing a lawsuit. And we decided this is a good process. We should name it. We named it Structured Negotiations. I have written a book about the process and the history that is coming out this fall. The American Bar Association is publishing it. So you can learn a little bit more about those early cases. And it must cut costs too, right? It's a very cost-effective process for a couple reasons. One is we're not fighting in court. We're not writing briefs and arguing points. And one of the biggest reasons it's cost-effective is how structured negotiation uses experts. And I talk about this in my book. In a traditional lawsuit, each side has to have their own expert, pay a lot of money for it. There's a lot of fighting between the experts, but in structured negotiation, we first of all really want to tap into the expertise of the advocates. And that's really important in blindness because blind people often are the best experts when it comes to their needs for accessibility, but also when it comes to technology solutions. Um, so in structured negotiation, we can rely more on the advocates' expertise because they're not plaintiffs in a lawsuit. And we also work on having joint experts so everyone can trust the kind of specialized knowledge that's needed for solutions. So for those reasons, it really is a very cost-effective process. And it's definitely about solutions. I like that a lot. One of your recent agreements involved Bank of America working to improve the usability and accessibility of the blind customer's mortgage documents. Tell us more about this issue and settlement. Okay, well, we first have to do a tiny bit of background because Bank of America has been a wonderful partner with the blind community for many years on accessibility. They were the first bank to have a national talking ATM rollout. That was in the early 2000s. And in 2000, they were the first bank to reach agreement and structure negotiation 
and say, we're going to make our online banking platform accessible. The reason that came about is we were working on the ATMs in the 90s, and several of the advocates, including Jerry Coons and Roger Peterson and Kathy Martinez, Don Brown, others brought to our attention, hey, it's great, we're going to have talking ATMs, but we also need access to this new development called online banking. Bank America stepped up, and they've continued to be a great partner. They have a big commitment to accessibility. When new issues come up that we need to work with them on, they've always been really positive. And the most recent one, as you mentioned, was on their mortgage information. We were approached like all the structured negotiations that I've been involved with. They start with a blind person who is willing to speak out, which is the title of your show, and it's suitable for structured negotiation because a lot of times people complain about the lack of access, but the people who have been structured negotiation claimants who have participated in the process, they have been willing to speak out for their rights. And that's what happened with the mortgage case. And Bank America was very willing to work with us when we brought it to their attention. Another one of the settlement agreements involved two parties, the ACB and the drugstore Rite Aid. Rite Aid agreed to offer the talking prescription levels for blind customers in America. Talk more about the case and tell us if Rite Aid is now offering these accessible labels. A really big shout-out, applause, whatever you want to say on the radio, goes to the American Council of Blind for really spearheading the advocacy on talking prescription labels, both on the administrative regulatory side and also in structured negotiation. Linda Dardarian and I have worked with the ACB over many years. The first talking prescription label agreement was with Walmart in structured negotiation. I talk about this in the book a little. Walmart became the first company to agree that they were going to offer talking labels to their blind pharmacy customers. The most recent company was Rite Aid. Rite Aid is offering two solutions. They're offering an in-store solution that's called the Talking Pill Reminder. They also offer, if that's not effective for people, the Envision America Script Talk program. Now, some of your listeners may say, hey, well, I went to Rite Aid and they didn't know anything about it, or I went to Walgreens, another company we've worked with. These are big stores. They have over, I mean, big chains. They have over 5,000 stores each. If any of your listeners go to a pharmacy and don't get the kind of response they expect, they should call customer service. They should talk to the manager, and if they can't get the result they need, you can always send me an email, and we will follow up with our national contacts. That's amazing. I'm going to have to also go check out these new talking labels at the local store. One of your other settlement agreements involved one of my favorite restaurants, Denny's. Now, there was a settlement agreement between ACB, Denny's, a blind Denny's customer by the name of Lisa Irving, and the issue was the accessibility of the restaurant chain's website and its mobile site as well. Tell us more about the issue between these parties and the agreement that led Denny's to make their mobile app more accessible and the website more accessible for the blind. The Denny shopper wanted access to information on the website. Denny's has their menu, of course, on their website, but they also offer nutritional information. They have a rewards program, and not all of the content was 
available to people who use screen readers. We wrote a letter to Denny's. We explained the problem. We introduced the American Council of the Blind and the Blind Denny's customer and said, you know, this is an ADA violation, but we would rather work with you in collaboration to try to get access to your content. And Denny's was a great partner, and they said yes. We dealt with the website, the mobile app, and also emails. It's another area where a company might think about website access, but they forget that when they're sending emails to their customers or members or the public, those emails need to be accessible too. We work with Denny's on all that. It was another example of how structured negotiation can really bring people together. Lady, you had sent a message on your mailing list. I noticed you had put me on your mailing list where there is a spring 2016 digital accessibility legal update, a talking prescription labels spring 2016 update. I've got my email manager right here. Your new LF legal website. And we did talk about the Bank of America Accessible Mortgage Element. And there's also, you have another agreement here with Houston Metro Accessible Transit Information Press Release. And about your book, um, I was wondering if you could summarize some of these developments that you haven't already mentioned on air. Houston Metro, that was a structured negotiation that was spearheaded by Disability Rights Texas, which is the Texas, we used to call them the Protection Advocacy Organizations, part of the National Disability Rights Network. They had a great lawyer on that named uh, Chris McGreal. They wanted to try structured negotiation. They hadn't used it before in their office. And so I was in the back seat. I like to say they had the expertise on transit access. And it had to do, again, with blind riders of their paratransit system not being able to access information on the website or the mobile. And, again, Houston Metro was a great negotiating partner, really set the standard for transit, digital accessibility, on web and mobile applications. The digital accessibility legal updates that I do, those I started doing a couple years ago. I usually give a presentation at the CSUN conference in San Diego every year, and everyone wanted to see my slides, but I realized the slides don't really convey. They don't have links to the cases. They don't really convey all the information. So I started doing these legal updates, which has links to a lot of the work that's going on around the country, not just by me and Linda, not just in structured negotiation, but lawsuits, ACB's work, NFB's work, Department of Justice's work. And I try to do an update two or three times a year. There's a lot going on, so it's getting to be more work. But I did just put the most recent one out. If your listeners would like to be added to my email list, get notice of these. My email address is my initials, LF, L like Laney, F like Feingold, at LFlegal.com. And you can also find them on the website. There's a legal update tab in the primary navigation. They'll be there whenever I put them up. LF at LFlegal.com? Yes. And it's my new website. I invite people to look at it and give feedback. My original website was uh, put up in 2008, and it was, of course, designed for accessibility. The new website is responsive. It works on all devices, 
also designed for accessibility. It's been up for about two months. So if anyone has any feedback on it, I really welcome them to share it with me. Yeah, Lainey, if it's okay with you, I'm going to put up your main website address and your email address on speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com so that listeners can have easy access to those addresses and look at all of the stuff we talked about today on your website, if that's okay with you. That's great. Thank you. We've got a question from Jim in Columbus, Ohio. He writes that he is starting a nonprofit which offers employment and other rehabilitative services to people who are blind or visually impaired. He adds that he wants to bid on government contracts, and being visually impaired, he is concerned of the perception of his leadership capabilities by the federal entities who would employ his services versus that of other organizations. Laney, what suggestions might you have for Jim? Uh, well, first of all, it is discrimination and violate the ADA if you don't get hired or contracted with because of a disability. So I'm not a specialist in employment, although I would like to uh, do more work with employment. I think structured negotiation could be suited for employment cases. For a nonprofit, I do think you know, Jim, I agree with you that it's something to be aware of and to put your credentials first and really keep good track of any activity that you feel isn't fair. Um, the Department of Labor has an initiative called PEAT. It's P-E-A-T. It stands for Partnership for Employment and Accessible Technology, and they're Really, it's focused on accessible technology, but there's a lot of good Department of Labor people associated with that. That might be a good resource if you're looking to employment in the federal government and contracting and being a nonprofit in that space. Good suggestions. I think that your line of defense in helping ACB and blind people achieve their rights in society now, you've been talking a lot today about this new book you've got coming out about structured negotiation. It's called Structured Negotiation, A Winning Alternative to Lawsuits. Tell us more about the book and when we're going to be able to buy it and where we're going to be able to buy it when it comes out in, in uh, the fall of 2016. Thank you for asking about the book, which has been sort of my life adventure for the past many years, honestly. I interviewed about 75 people for the book. It is being published by the American Bar Association. It's a how, it's really a how-to for practicing law without a lawsuit, but it's written so that it's not just for lawyers. It's written so that advocates can read it and either use some of the tools without lawyers, suggest it to new lawyers, and it's written so that the incredible successes that the blind community has had using this method can hopefully be used by other advocates in other fields. It's a how-to manual. I tried to write it so that the stories that are the foundation of structured negotiation really shine through. And to do that, I also hope that your listeners will agree when they read it that we shined a light on accomplishments of the blind community, the advocates, and 
all the work that they did to develop this alternative legal process. It's going to be in paperback format as well as accessible electronic format. Uh, the book will be in Bookshare, and that's the plan as of now. The American Bar Association does not let their books go to Amazon for about six months, so it won't be there, but it will be available for purchase. I'll have the links on my website, and if any of your listeners want to be notified when the book is out, just send me a note and I'll add you to that email list. So how might our listeners get in touch with you if they need help, and how might they learn more about you and your past cases? Well, the best place to start is the website for people who are online. And the website is lflegal.com. I want to say one quick thing about that, which is when I put the website up, I was going to say, I was going to call it laneyfeingold.com. And my friend Josh Mealy, who's an inventor and scientist, works on audio description and a lot of other issues, and is also blind, he said to me, don't call it that. No one will know how to spell your name. Call it lflegal because it's easier to remember and it fits on one line of Braille. So that was an example of doing something for access turned out to be a great thing because LF legal is more memorable and it's kind of become my brand. So that is my website address, lflegal.com. I'm also on Twitter for users on Twitter at LF legal. And I post primarily accessible technology issues as well as structured negotiation, the legal updates before they make it into my website, they come out on Twitter as they develop. So that's at LF legal on Twitter. My email, as you said, was LF at LF And for people who have no um, access to email or web, which is usually the best way to reach me, my phone number is area code five one zero five four eight. Five zero six two. Okay. Anything else you'd like to add? Uh, no, just that I appreciate your having me on the show and the work that ACB does on all these issues and its members, its affiliates, and the blind community generally around the country is what makes my law practice possible. And for that, I'm deeply appreciative. And, Lady, you're the person that helps the blind achieve their rights to participate fully in society, and you've just helped make the world a better place. Many thanks to you for all of your hard work and for joining us today to share your stories and some important information, too. Thank you, Brian. Really appreciate it. Before we go, I welcome your comments on this program. Visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind, or Speak Out for the Blind. And I have a new email address. That address is speakout at acbradio.org. You can also check out my website. That's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. And the show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash the dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says 
Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Tired of the same old survival reality shows that aren't too real? Then join me, Brian McCallan, on Speaking Out for the Blind. I interview real famous and inspirational blind individuals and other specialists about a real wide variety of topics, providing you with real steps to achieve your dreams. Speaking Out for the Blind airs Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern and replays throughout the day on Thursdays on ACB Radio Mainstream. Happy listening! California, Florida, Iowa, Texas, guide dog users, students, IT professionals, government employees. The American Council of the Blind has members in all 50 states and is actively engaged in a wide variety of activities. We advocate for the education, employment, and social inclusion of all blind and visually impaired Americans. We publish a monthly magazine. We hold an annual conference and convention and operate a multi-channel internet radio station. Check us out at acb.org. Together, we can do anything. You're listening to American Council for the Blind Radio. Where's the blind?